Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Well, good evening, everybody. I am going to ask us to do something. I'm going to ask those that are um, in the back to come up closer, closer. Now, um, I know there's a couple of folks with babies in the back. You get a pass if you need to be close to the door, but everybody else, (laughs) I want you to come up closer. So I can see you. Come, come, come. And bring, you should have received a page of notes, a note card, and a pen. And so if you will take note of that, uh, if you will bring that up here with you. um, Yes, take note of that. They will be taking notes. Okay, some of you moved up like one row. Seriously? Come on. (laughs) Okay. So here's, thank you, John Millen, give this man a hand, right to the front, right to the front, right to the front, awesome, and Kelsey, yes. Okay, so he needs an index card and a pen. Okay, so, well, hello, everybody, and welcome on Facebook Live. We've got this live right now. Um, As Tracy mentioned, um, I'm going to be starting tonight an eight-part series on the book of Revelation, and so I've got 30 minutes with you guys. So we're going to be flying, um, but, uh, and I know I want to be sensitive to the fact we all come from a long day, we've worshiped, and we hope you've gotten refreshed in worship, but God has just really been on this revelation of who Jesus is this year. So we want to be very intentional about um, this time that we have together. So you can pray for me that I can really do this <laughs> to the best of my ability. Um, but here's what I want you to do with your note card, because we're talking about Revelation. We're talking about the end times over the next few weeks. And some of us have maybe been, have been in that teaching in a similar setting like that for a while. Some of us, this may be new. How many of you have received end time book of Revelation teaching before? Okay. Okay. Awesome. A good number of us. Um, but those of us that haven't, you will, there will be, um, um, I'm going to, my prayers for clarity for each one of us. So take this note card. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions for you to write down on this thing. Okay, so you got your pen? First thing I want you to write down on this note card is, um, is answering this question. Um, when was the first time you were exposed to teaching on the end times or the book of Revelation, however that was, and what was your impression of it? Like, when was that? Was it like five years ago? Where, where were you? Was it at church? Like, you got on this podcast series or whatever. Um, and then you first heard it. What was your impression of it? So that's the first question. And then the second question, I'm going to go ahead and pose it to you and then give you a minute for both, is um, what is like one of your real curious questions about end times? Like, you may not have one. You may be like, I don't think this is important at all. So if that's your answer, put that. But if you've had, like, you've read the book of Revelation, you're like, this is weird. I wonder what that means. Or this has always stood out to me. I want to know more about this. If you'll, I'm going to give you a minute to write those down. So the first one, your first exposure to end time teaching and what your impression was. The second, just a curious question you've had about end times or Revelation.
if you're on Facebook Live, take a moment to do this too. <laughs> Okay, as you, some of you may be still writing down, any um, um, brave soul want to tell me the answer to your first question? First exposure to it, what your impression was? Just like real quick, Alan, you saw him. Okay. Read it age 12, <laughs> was really scared because he's reading after dark. Yes, read it in the light. Um, <laughs> okay, Any, um, anyone want to tell me what is like this really curious question, crazy thing you've seen in the book? You're like, what is going on there with end times or revelation? Crazy. Joel. What role do the nations play? in this book, in Time Drama. Is that correct? Awesome. Okay, very good. So I want you to hold on to those. At the end, I'm going to have a little, uh, um, one of the offering boxes, I'll grab one of those. And if you'll drop that in there, that's going to help me. Because I want this to be interesting to you. I want this to be fun. But I also want to really, I want to I teach it. I want to prophesy it. But I want it to be, connect with your heart as well. Does that make sense? Um, so at the end, I'll call for those cards. Um, but we're going to go ahead and go um, and begin. So thank you for taking time to do that. So the book of Revelation. There's two driving questions that are, uh, two questions that are going to drive the, the content over these next few weeks. And my goal is not only to teach you, but to prophesy. Because this book is prophetic. And I want to prophesy what it says to you. But these are two driving questions for these next few weeks. First of all, what does this book tell us about Jesus and the events related to his return? Because that's what it's about. But secondly, why is this important for the church today and for me today? And so when I say the church, I mean all of us. I mean the church local, storehouse, the church of Dallas, I mean the church global, <laughs> I mean across the nations, this, the, the, the name of the Lord is being praised and, and offered as incense across all the nations, and this book is relevant to the global church, but also the church is you, we are all members of one body, and let's face it, we all leave here and we go, we go to work, we pay our bills, we change diapers, we study for school, we take a test, and so we get in Revelation, or we get in a, a, a Thursday night teaching, prophetic teaching on it, and we're like, what, what is this, why is this important to me? In my daily life, what does it have to do? So, um, so those are the two questions that are going to drive this, and I hope to answer those each week in relation to the content that we're going to cover for that week. Does that make sense? So, um, so today, I'm going to um, answer both of those questions rather broadly, okay, um, because, uh, because this is, today's just the introduction, but then as we get to more specific material, I'll address those questions for that as well. Um, so I'm going to start with the second question. Why is this book important for me and for the church? 
Well, I think that there are three reasons that this book is very important for us to read, to pay attention to, and to really dive deep into. And the first one's this. This book comes, it opens up with a special blessing from God for those who read it, for those who hear it, and those who keep it, those who treasure it, those who meditate on it, those who obey the commands that are in this book. So there's a special blessing involved. Now, this whole word of God, we get blessed. Our spirit gets energized when we read it. But God has specifically attached a blessing to this specific book of the Bible from the beginning. And you know what I think he did, why I think he did that is because he knew that this book would cause one of the greatest stumbling blocks or questions or walls or offense, however you want to say it, that we get to this book and we open to page one. We're like, this is crazy. I don't know what's going on. And we stick it on the shelf. So he says in verse three, if you'll wait, if you'll read it, if you'll listen to it, if you'll keep it, you'll be blessed. So there's a blessing. And, we'll, and, and those, those specific blessings will unfold as we go through the book. Um, secondly, why is this important for me? Why is it important for the church today? Uh, because it empowers us to overcome both present and future challenges. Okay, so this book, the approach I take to the book of Revelation, I, I take the approach that the vast majority of the events described in this book pertain to the future. We've not seen them yet. Now, there are pastors, there are Christians, there are scholars that disagree with me on this, but I'm just going to be up front with you. I believe that from chapter 5 until the very end <laughs> of this book onward, these are future events being described. Now, how is that relevant to me? Well, it talks about the challenges that are in the future, but it's supposed to anchor us to face similar challenges in the present. You see, as we read the prophets of the Old Testament, so many times the prophets would be given information about a generation that they would not live to see. But they were told to prophesy, to proclaim this word to the kings, to the priests, and to the people of Israel. And so the future events in this prophetic book are going to be relevant to the present church today. And I do believe that we are approaching the Lord's return. And I'll unpack that more and more throughout this series. Um, but but, but how, does a, how does the future challenges affect our present? Well, God, is he, he actually addresses some very present and real situations in this book. So there are some that will come, but there are some that we've already tapped into and started to see now. Jesus said that before he returns, there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, economic crisis, terror attacks, famine, plague, all of these things are going to start spreading across the earth. And we've begun to see these today. We re you turn on the news, one of those things I mentioned is going to be in the headlines. And God, is what he does with a prophetic forecast of the future is that he gives us revelation of his heart, he gives us perspective to anchor us to face the present challenges. Because those wars and rumors of wars and such, those are just the beginning. And Jesus said that as these things start to unfold, people will faint with fear in those days. 
And I tell you, we read the news today and so much fear has gripped the hearts of Christians because of what we're seeing on the headlines. What we're seeing of terror attacks, what we're seeing of, of, of just very um, just horrible events happening in the world. But what God wants to do is he wants to anchor his people in hope. He wants to anchor his people in peace. And he wants to make his people a voice of truth, of hope, and a power in a generation that is getting afraid by these shakings that are happening in the earth. Today, right before us. You know, the, the, those little storms, and, and, and they don't seem little, those challenges that you face in your personal life, got a bill due next week, got this relationship crisis going on, a health issue, what's going on there. Got those, oh, God is teaching you to overcome in those small, what, what seem like big, but are, but are very personal storms now, to anchor you for when the trouble starts shaking around you in a, in a wider way, you've learned to overcome in private. You've overcome those things that seem so big. And then when those other things come, you've overcome, you've developed this history in God of overcoming and seeing how God's going to come through. And that's what God wants to do in this book. He wants to anchor us as a people of hope, as a people of peace, to face our present challenges, but also to equip us for those that we can expect in the future. Does that make sense? Okay. Finally, why is this book important for me in the church today? Is it prepares us to stand with confidence before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. And will give an account for our deeds in this life. And there is no other book in the Bible that makes more clear the, the beauty and the glory of the eternal reward for those that stay the course, for those who keep the commands of God, for those who stay there, keep their heart alive in faith, hope, and love. And there's no other book that gives more sobriety of the eternal consequences for, the, for those that don't stand. We're in this for the long haul. I want to reach my 80s and 90s and 100s and have a burning heart for God. And I want that for each one of you in here. And as we get a grip of this reality that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, it orders our life in the present. It says, how am I going to live my life in light of eternity? And how am I going to respond when these challenges, both personally and across the nation, start to really intensify? I want my heart anchored. So there's hope and there's urgency that this book gives us. Amen? And again, we'll go over those questions each week. Because I want to make this real personal for you, for the church today, and for the future ahead. So, Revelation chapter 1. This book is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is primarily a revelation of who Jesus is. And the revelation of Jesus that we'll need as the events described in this book start to unfold. So again, this book is about the future. And there is a special blessing for those of us who read and hear and obey. And I want to be clear on what the book of Revelation is not. The book of Revelation is not... 
about Satan's victory over the nations and over the world. It's not about the devil just gets this playtime to really wreck shop in the earth. It's not what this book is about. This book is about God's victory and the church's victory over Satan in the days ahead. This book is about Jesus wins at the end. (laughs) And there's a wedding feast at the end. And there's glory at the end. And every yes in your heart that you say today and tomorrow and ten years from now and at the end of your life. Every yes that you've said to God will be worth it in the end. That's what this book is about. This book, I love how Mike Bickle at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. He calls it an end-time book of Acts, a canonized prayer manual. This book is full of prayers. It's full of worship songs. And the Spirit of God is moving over the church today and starting to release some of these songs. That these, and these aren't just we're looking at the book of Revelation we're singing what it says, though we do that. We're doing that in the prayer room. And that actually starts creating a, an, an atmosphere for encounter with the Lord. But what, it's, what the Spirit of God is doing is he's starting to open the eyes of his church to see and live in the Spirit. And starts getting revelation of this glory of Christ and of his beautiful, of his glorious return. And, and by inspiration of what's been revealed in our hearts and what we're seeing by the Holy Spirit, we start releasing these songs. And, and the church on earth is, is, is increasingly merging in power and authority and partnership with the church in heaven. Because we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on to the very end. And the church in heaven and the church on earth both will play a significant role in releasing God's power and glory in the days ahead. Amen? So, something else about the book of Revelation that's important. We see the judgment of God in this book. And that is one of the reasons why sometimes we may be a little hesitant to get too deep into it. Um, and, 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 I, and, and so there's a couple of principles of God's judgment I want to outline that I think are really going to help us as we unpack this book. Um, first of all, God judges He is a judge. He's a righteous judge. You know, we spent the beginning of the year talking about, in the Song of Solomon on Thursday nights, Lindsay and Tracy were were going through that book to unfold the beauty of Jesus as the bridegroom. He's a passionate bridegroom. He loves us in our weakness. Our sincere, weak, broken yes means the, the world to him. He loves it. He died for that yes. And it pulls us in confidence as we get a revelation of his mercy. Over this summer, Tracy talked about Jesus as a king and a priest and who we are as kings and priests to access the power and the authority of heaven and release it on the earth. And so it, 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 it enlivens us to come and partner with God to release his kingdom on earth because we get a revelation of who he is as a king. The book of Revelation unveils Jesus as a righteous judge. But not only a judge, a powerful king that's coming back for a bride that he loves. Which takes us to the real core principle of God's judgment is this. And I want you to hear me closely here. That God, when he's judging, 
He's using the least severe means to bring in the greatest number of people at the deepest level of love without violating anyone's free will. The greatest number of people, well, first, the least severe means to bring in the greatest number of people at the deepest level of love without violating their free will. He's removing everything that hinders love in the earth and even in our own hearts. Okay? So that's going to anchor us throughout this book. So, and what's clear about these judgments that we're going to see in this book is these judgments are actually not being poured out on the church. These are judgments that are being poured out on Satan, the Antichrist, and his followers. And God is partnering with his church to release these judgments. As Moses stood before Pharaoh and held up his staff and stretched out his hand and released the ten plagues against a reprobate king and a reprobate empire, so God's end-time church will partner with God through worship and prayer in bringing, removing everything that hinders love in the earth. Amen? Amen. Okay, we're going to run through some main symbols and the overall structure of this book. Um, and that's to give this for you to take home over this next week and to use it as a guide, as a, as a road map um, as, as you're reading this book so you can kind of get, get a, a handle on, 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 a, on where you are. So let's, uh, let's talk about the symbols of the book of Revelation. You have a handout there, and there's these seven main symbols that I put at the top. See, because the book of Revelation is full of a lot of symbols. Now, some have taken these symbols and just hopelessly over-symbolized this entire book that gives it very little to no literal significance. And I reject that view. You may disagree with me, and that's okay. <laughs> but I'm just being honest with you of how I'm presenting this material to you today. Um, so there are a number of symbols here, but there are, there, the book of Revelation is actually very helpful in telling us what these symbols mean. And there are a few main ones that we're going to go over. So the first main symbol is the dragon. He pops up his ugly head in Revelation 12. Who is this dragon? Is it a literal dragon? Is it a person that turns into a dragon? <laughs> What's going on here? Revelation 20 actually tells us exactly who this dragon is. It says, this is Satan, the devil, that serpent of old. <laughs> It goes right back to Genesis 1. It tells us exactly what that symbol means. The second main symbol is the first beast. So we see a couple of beasts here. The first one is a symbol of the Antichrist. And I put scriptures down there um, so that you can uh, um, look into that more if you want to. We have a session specifically on the Antichrist, which is my least favorite, but it's important. So we do it. Um, <laughs> the second, the, the, the other beast, which is the third symbol, this is symbolic of the false prophet. So you've got an antichrist, an anti-Jesus, who's going to move in incredible power and authority and wage war against the saints. And he's going to have a right-hand man called the false prophet, who's going to call down fire from heaven against those that do not worship the beast. Um, so both of these are people. These are literal people. 
um, but the, they're symbolized by this image of the beast. The fourth main symbol, uh, we'll, we'll do four and five together, are the seven heads and the ten horns. So John, in chapter, in chapter 13, he sees this big giant beast coming out of the sea, and it has seven heads swirling around it and ten horns, okay? <laughs> Let's be clear. Seven heads, ten horns, and they're all bad, just to give you a hint. What are the seven heads? Those seven heads are seven historical empires throughout history. Typically, those that are related to persecution of Israel and the church. Okay, and I put a list of them there for you. There's, a couple, there's, there's five that the book of Revelation says have already happened at the writing of this book. And the others have yet to come. Okay, so um, that's, uh, or, or five were, one is, and one's yet to come. So, um, and we'll go over that later as well. So those are the seven heads, seven historical empires. The, the last, uh, the, the ten horns, those are ten future kings. Ten future kings that we have not seen yet, or maybe that are in the earth now. And that will rise to power and will give all of their power and authority to this beast. The sixth main symbol is this harlot Babylon in Revelation 17 and 18. This is a symbol. It's, it's most literally a city. It just says that in the book of Revelation. This is a city. And we'll hit that in a few weeks. Um, but more broadly speaking, it's a, it's a city with a worldwide demonically inspired religious and economic system. Okay, so it will have a religious element. It will have an economic element to it, and it will have influence in various corners, many, many corners across the earth, okay? Right. Um, the last symbol is the woman with the male child in Revelation 12. This is the faithful remnant of Israel throughout history, and that male child is Jesus. Okay, we'll hit those again when we cover them in the book. I've got five minutes, so we're going to fly. Are we ready for the overall structure of the book of Revelation? Yes. Okay. Let's go. Next slide. There's four main parts to this book. Part one, John's calling to prophesy. Part two, Jesus writes seven letters to the seven churches, which we'll go over next week. Part three, Jesus takes the scroll from the Father's right hand in Revelation 5. That's going to be a lot of fun. Tracy's actually going to talk a little bit about Revelation 4 and 5 this Sunday, so come for that. And then part four is the battle plan of God to cleanse the earth of evil and to set up his kingdom on earth forever, okay? So let's talk about this part four because it has a few sections that it's broken up into. Okay, next slide. Um, part four, this battle plan, it's made up of five chronological sections, say chronological sections. Very good. And five angelic explanations. Say five angelic explanations. Five angelic explanations. Very good. Okay. So, and they're interspersed together. So here's what happens. You get chronological section number one. The storyline begins. And this is, this is saying what, in the chronological sections, it's what it, what's happening to um, 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 the Antichrist <laughs> and his followers and then, um, and then it will pause into an angelic explanation, and that will primarily describe what's going to happen to the saints. 
okay? Let me step back and try to make this more clear. The chronological sections come in, and they the storyline unfolds in these sections. So chronological section number one, for example, on your handout, the sealed judgments against the Antichrist Empire. This is what's happening to the Antichrist. And John is witnessing these events unfold. And these events, these judgments start increasing in intensity. So seal number one breaks open. Judgment is released. Seal number two, and then a more intense one, till five, four, three, four, five, six. It gets more intense. And John's saying, this is so intense. Why is this so, so severe? And what's going to happen to the saints? So the angel comes in and hits pause. John, I know you've seen a lot of judgment. You've seen a lot of chaos. You've seen a lot of death. I'm going to tell you why this is so severe. I'm going to show you why this is the least severe means to bring in the greatest number of people at the deepest level of love without violating anyone's free will. And it's a pastoral section. It's like, what's, what's, why is this so intense? What's going to happen to me, God? What, where am I in this story? You're in these angelic explanations. Okay? So look for yourself there. So then John calms down. The angel has, has, has you know, gotten him, gotten him up, gotten him, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to unpause and get back in the storyline. And then chronological section number two comes in. The trumpet judgments. And those two, they get, they're more intense than the previous ones. I mean, it's like you got demons flying everywhere in this section. It's intense. <laughs> you got fire and brimstone coming out of demons' mouths. You're like, what? John's like, what is going on? God, is this the least severe means? What's going to happen to God's people during this? Pause. The angel comes in. John, here's why it's so intense. But here's what's going to happen to the saints. I'm going to bring prophetic direction. I'm going to release the power of my Holy Spirit so you can stand against this onslaught of demonic horde that's come against you. And you are going to stand with prophetic direction and prophetic power to stand against the enemy as these things are unfolding. Okay, that's encouraging. Unpause. Back in the storyline. We're in chronological section number three. The second coming uh, and, and, and uh, procession and the rapture. The seventh trumpet blows. Jesus comes down from the sky. He makes a, a mighty royal procession across the earth, and he raptures the saints. But I tell you, this rapture is not for an escape from the trouble. It's clothing us with power and righteousness and resurrected bodies to be more intimately involved in this battle plan. Jesus is doing a hostile takeover of the nations that resist his will. And he is coming with an army clothed in white to defeat this Antichrist and to drive Satan off the planet. He is doing a hostile takeover of nations resistant to his will. Why? Why is this so severe? What's going to happen to the saints? What's going on here? Pause again. John, this is so severe. This is the least severe means to bring in the greatest number of people, the deepest level of love without violating their free will because the Antichrist is going to do such a violent confrontation against the saints. He will persecute the saints. 
And he's going to make people take a mark on his forehead. And he's going to cause them to worship him at the pain of death. But what's going to happen to you that I am raising up an army of worshipers that are going to stand against this demonic army. And they will go. And if they die, they will die in love. And they will die with a yes in their heart. Or if they stand, they will stand with a song in their mouth. And the hordes of hell will bow. Okay. Unpause. We are wrapping up. Uh, Section number four, <laughs> the bold judgments. So we've had the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, the second coming. Now we're at the bowls. The storyline's unfolding. It's really intense. Like Antichrist worshipers are getting boils on their skin. The sun is scorching them. And a, the most violent earthquake the world has ever seen is happening. And these giant 100-pound hailstones are being cast down from heaven on the earth. And, I mean, it's just chaos and John is looking at this giant earthquake happening that the world has never seen. He's saying, is this really the least severe means to bring in the greatest number of people, the deepest level of love, without violating their free will? And the angel pauses. John, I know this is really intense. Worst earthquake ever. I mean, it's the worst. Like that phrase actually applies here. It's the worst. It really is the worst. Um, not like waiting in line at Walmart. Um, but uh, why, why is this so severe? What's going to happen to the saints? It's, so, it's the least severe because this harlot Babylon religion is going to so influence the infrastructures of society. Those that have aligned with the Antichrist will be drunk <laughs> with the intoxication of, of, the, of the demonic power and of the money that comes out of this harlot Babylon religious system. And God said, it's got to go. It's all got to go. And the saints will stand, and if they die, they will rise in victory. Which takes us to the last chronological section, number five. Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So we're back in the storyline unpause. Jesus is coming. Revelation 19. The eyes of fire are blazing. The sharp two-edged sword is ready to strike the nations. The, the man whose name is King of Kings and Lord of Lords are written on his side. And all the armies clothed in white are coming in to bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth in a very powerful, real, real way. They seize the Antichrist and the false prophet. They throw him in a lake of fire. The judgment, the final judgment comes. Heaven comes down to earth. I mean, it is just a blast of glory going on. And John is seeing, he's seeing the intensity of this final battle. He's seeing the intensity of Satan being grabbed by an angel and cast and bound for a thousand years. And then he sees this giant um, um, great white throne where the righteous and the wicked are judged. And the righteous go into eternal glory and the wicked go into eternal punishment in a lake of fire. This is intense. Jesus why is this so severe? Like in glory, in goodness, the city, it's awesome. The reward is incredible. But why is it so severe for the punishment of the wicked and the punishment of Satan and the Antichrist? Like this isn't the lake of fire. That's really intense. And Jesus unfolds, pause. I'm going to show you the whole glory and the whole purpose, not only of this book, but of creation. And that's the restoration of all things. 
That's heaven coming down to earth. That's saying, I am making an eternal city where I will dwell with my bride in a holy, happy, glorious environment for all, for all of eternity. And that requires that I drive off all of wickedness and resistance to that love that's being established in this earth from now until eternity. And it's that reason that the saints are going to rise in such glory and such power because I love you and I want to be with you forever. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Oh, thank you. I went four minutes and 39 seconds over, but I hope we got it. Um, you have this outline. You have this card. Yes. If someone can, uh, Stephen, you're back there. Will you find a little box for me and bring it to me? Thank you. If you just bring it up now and set it on this desk, take this with you. Read the book this week. It takes some time. Um, if you got it on audio Bible, put it on your car. Just listen through the book all the way through. But pray Revelation 1-3 over yourself. I put that in your handout. Pray it. God, give me this blessing of, of, of this book. So I'm going to pray and we're going to go. Father, we thank you for this glorious book. We thank you for who Jesus is. God, we thank you for our place in this story. So I pray for this blessing of reading, of hearing, of keeping this book over everyone listening in this room, on, online, that God, you would give us wisdom and understanding. You would reveal the beauty of your son. You would show us our place in this story. In Jesus' name, amen.